Blog Talk Radio. And good evening, everyone, and welcome to the season premiere of King Jordan Radio for September 20th, 2018, Season 7, Episode 1. This is King Jordan you're listening to, and tonight let me bring in a very special co-host joining me for this episode, uh, Mary Wainwright. Is in is on the show. Hi, Mary. How are you? Uh, hi, King. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Hi, so. Uh, uh, I, I just want yeah, to say what so, a privilege it is to be co-hosting this with you. Pleasure to have you. So let's uh, get into the topics of this evening. Uh, the Chris Watts triple murder. Um, Homicide case, uh, alleged uh, murder there. Uh, Elizabeth Smart, the uh, one of the captures, uh, is out of jail as we speak. Bill Cosby has his sentencing um, this Monday, uh, but his team and him want the judge removed ASAP. Colin Kaepernick signed with Nike, and we'll talk about the ramifications with a CNN, HLN, a legal analyst, also one of the world's greatest defense attorneys, especially here in the New York City area. If you're in trouble, don't forget to call this man. Double J, Joey Jackson joins us tonight. Good evening, Joey. How are you? It's King and Mary. That's wonderful. How are you? I'm I'm doing great, King and Mary. This is uh, it's a pleasure to get both of you. I'm a big fan of both, I, so I, I'm delighted. <laughs> and I, I am so honored. I'm so honored, Joy, to be uh, speaking with you and uh, in, in helping to interview you on all of these cases. Well, just to be clear, the honor and privilege is mine. So it's uh, nice oh. to be on with both of you, and uh, I miss you guys. <laughs> I and really um, Joey. Good. We stand here as the last official day of summer. I must ask you, how was your summer overall? Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. It's the last <laughs> right. official day, huh? Unbelievable. Please don't go. Uh, <laughs> come back. Come back. Come Listen, back. Summer, the summer was wonderful. Uh, you know, it was a great summer. I had the privilege of uh, having my son work with me this summer, and he worked really hard. You know, we are building something really special here in New York, and now he's off and back to school. Um, but, um, you know, good a good time was had by all. I had an opportunity to visit well, a couple of awesome, major cities. Really. Yeah, it was it was, a, it was a, just a very, very nice summer, pr- productive summer, and a relaxing summer. Uh, family's good. Everyone's healthy. So how can I complain? So, and to top it summer. off, to, to top it off, I get to end the summer with talking to both of you. So how can life be any better than oh. that? Tell me. <laughs> you are so, so You're too kind. You're too kind. <laughs> okay, let's start with Charlie. You've been following Joey. It's Chris Watts, and uh, let's hear the, the latest on his story. A stunning take on development the in the murder case that has shocked America. Chris Watts, who was accused of murdering his pregnant wife and two daughters, may have been leading a secret double life. 
We have breaking news. Just moments ago, very shocking new allegations about that Colorado family man. A man called into Ashley Banfield's crime and justice show on HLN claiming he had a 10-month relationship with the accused killer. We can't independently verify the details that he describes, but we are going to continue speaking with him, this man who claims to be Chris Watts' former lover. He told me that he was the victim of emotional and verbal abuse, and he was trapped in a loveless marriage, and he didn't know any way out because of the kids, because of the girls. Did you ever see any tendencies in Chris Watts towards violence? No. His face was not shown during his HLN phone interview, and there was no confirmation for his claim. But People Magazine reports his account of an alleged relationship does contain details about Watts' life that are not readily available. People Magazine also quotes sources confirming that Watts had relationships with both men and women outside of his marriage. Today, this man, identified as Trent Bolte, came forward on social media to say he's the one who had the affair with Chris Watts. I'll always have to live with the fact that I had a relationship with a married man who is also a murderer. He says the relationship lasted 10 months and came to an end in April. He claims police reached out to him after finding his name on the dating app Meet Me, which they found on Watts' cell phone. He's the best thing that is ever happened to me. They appear to be a loving and happy all-American family. Now those images appear to have been concealing Chris Watts' double life. All right, Joey, so uh, let me uh, ask you, uh, I guess the uh, double life still has some relevance because that could go to motive, uh, but what did you take on this uh, whole topic? Listen, I, I, I'll tell you this. As a defense attorney, obviously, I believe in the presumption of innocence. I believe that, mm-hmm. you know, we all uh, have that presumption and we're innocent until proven guilty. Uh, having said that, I have never uh, – let me not overstate it. I, it's a rare occasion that I've observed a case where someone is as guilty as he is. I mean, this is just beyond the pale. Not only does he his, – his whole reaction – is inconsistent with his story, right? Remember his story. He says that his wife uh, killed their children, and as a result of that, I guess he freaked out or he was trying to protect the kids, and so he killed his wife. So if that were the case, instead of calling 911 or doing what a rational human being would do, uh, he kills his wife, and then he buries his children and putting them in oil, and he buries his wife in a shallow grave, it's just completely inconsistent with the activities, and I get everyone reacts differently. We all react different under stress, but I don't think any reasonable human being in the event that the facts were as he said they were would behave in such a way. I think what he did lacks humanity. I think that, you know, again, innocent until proven guilty, but I think he will be proven guilty easily in a court of law. I think his story makes no sense. And forgetting about his double life, which could, could very well, as you mentioned rightly, can go to the issue of motive, uh, you know, it's, it's just it's beyond me how someone would engage in such activity. And then you look at them on Facebook, and they look happy and sweet and blessed and wonderful and, oh, my God, and it's a fairy tale. Meanwhile, you know, the guy's with men. He's with women. He, it's just I, it's, I can't make sense of any of this. But I think that this, uh, you know, I, I cannot see him getting out from under under this. Johnny Cochran, God bless his soul, 
if he were alive, uh, I think he would, you know, have tremendous trouble with this case. So those are my thoughts. I hate to be so definitive and clear. I know I'm on the defense side. I take it very seriously being a defense attorney. I believe that people need to be proven by the prosecution, but his story, quite frankly, is sickening beyond the pale and is not going to pass muster at the end of the day, and that's my feeling on Watts, period. Mary, go ahead. Um, Joy, um, I just want to say that this case has taken Facebook by storm. It has become an obsession in Facebook. There's all these um, groups being formed left and right, almost as in the Jody area. And uh, so I want to ask you, is there or is there not a gag order on this case because they do not want to release the autopsy results? Yeah, that, you know, that's accurate, but I have to tell you that, you know, gag orders are done for a number of reasons, and primarily a gag order benefits uh, the, the, the defendant, right, because you want the right to a fair trial. You don't want information out there that would prejudice the defendant's right to a fair trial. You know, the autopsy will be released in due course. He's entitled to that. But at the end of the day, I just think that, you know, gag order or not, I think you're going to have a hard time finding a sympathetic jury, Mary. These are children who are beautiful, who are vivacious, who we see saying, we love you and daddy's my hero on Facebook, and now daddy's responsible for my death. So, you know, gag order, no gag order, uh, I I just feel strongly about this case, and I feel strongly about his guilt, given the evidence that I know. And he even told the neighbors uh, next door, they they said later on that they, they couldn't believe what they been found out, right, Joey? Yeah, you know, it's oftentimes though we see these cases, you have communities where they say, oh my goodness, I can't believe the neighbor was like this, or I can't believe this guy was such a demon, or I can't believe she was as she was, and you know, but who knows what goes on behind closed doors? I don't think anybody has the answer to that question. At the end of the day, if the evidence points to guilt, as I think it does resoundingly in this case, you know, do we really know our neighbors? Do we know them other than high and by and a smile and a wave? I mean, the people we live with, the people we work with, have, a, have occasion to judge our character, to judge our demeanor, our comportment, and know who we are. I don't think neighbors right. really do. And so neighbors could be wonderful and well-intentioned, albeit mistaken. Right. No question about it. Well, I have one question on this. And can you um, explain to our uh, listeners, um, can you speak on the right of a fair trial for defendant versus the public's right to know, which are both guaranteed uh, by the Sixth Amendment? How does a judge okay. decide how much disparity is there on this? It's a wonderful question, and I think the, the answer to the question lies in airing for the defendant. A defendant has an absolute right to a fair trial. A defendant has a right to have the public know and understand that, you know, they should be judged by the evidence in the courtroom. And I think that ultimately, you know, anything, the public, there's always a public interest, but at at the end of the day, the public interest has to be subservient to the defendant's right to be tried by the jury on the evidence in the courtroom and not on lawyers, uh, you know, talking about it outside the courtroom or on prosecutors leaking incriminating information. And so the public always has a right to know, but at the end of the day, that public's right to know is always uh, something that is seen as less important than a defendant's right to their liberty. 
Okay. Okay. Let's head over to the Bill Cosby trial, which is set to begin this Monday. Now, uh, earlier today, he was given a legal victory in the mind of some. Take a listen to this, and then we'll talk. A legal victory for Bill Cosby ahead of his sentencing on Monday. Montgomery County Judge Stephen O'Neill has denied the district attorney's request to admit evidence of alleged uncharged criminal acts. This would have allowed numerous women who accused Cosby of sexual misconduct to testify next week. Cosby could face up to 30 years in prison for drugging and assaulting Andrea Constance. Okay, uh, Joey, you were there at the courtroom, and uh, I had Tom Mesereau last month. He thinks uh, Bill Cosby, uh, no matter what you think of him, uh, due to the extra women, due to some of the, the jurors stuff and uh, witnesses and et cetera, et cetera. He has a long list. Didn't get a fair trial. Uh, but beyond that, um, with, with what you just heard and uh, his age, there's been uh, speculation that he might not go to jail uh, when he first uh, was found guilty. Uh, now, here we are a few days away from sentencing. What is your prediction on what's going to happen? Well, let's start here. I, I do think that uh, the ruling that you just talked about is favorable. It is a victory, uh, and it will it not is. make the case a charade. I was very surprised that the judge allowed five other accusers to testify against Bill Cosby in his trial. Uh, and just to be clear, although such evidence is admissible generally to show a pattern of conduct, it's not admissible if it's so prejudicial and so damning that it will blind the jury by them saying, hey, if he did it to her and her and her and her and her, then obviously he did it here. And not only was I surprised that, that, wasn't admi that the judge admitted that, but I was surprised that the judge reversed himself. The first trial, the judge did not allow that. The judge allowed one. So I was shocked that the judge allowed everyone else. Why is that relevant to your question? Because now here at sentencing, the judge is saying, look, I'm going to limit the amount of people who can come and say what Cosby did or did not do. Now, I do think, although everyone's talking about this 30-year stuff, that that's nonsense. These are charges that are part of the same uh, set of circumstances. Uh, obviously, he was found guilty, and, you know, Andrea Constant had her day, got her day, and she achieved her measure of justice. Victims, I think, everywhere were built into this case because, and they were really focused because they felt that he really did a uh, tremendous disservice to women in general. But I think that, look, 10 years um, will be the standard, and let me be clear. The judge has an opportunity and at their discretion can do what's called consecutive time, where you stack their three counts he was found guilty of, you know, one count, lack of consent, one count, drugging her, one count, having sex against her will while she was drugged. But the point is, is that since they arise from the same transaction and occurrence, the judge, in my view, will not do consecutive time, which is 10, 10, 10, 30, but will do 10, 10 concurrent. And I don't think that he'll see all 10. Uh, you know, I do think that, that there'll be, there was a study in the New York Times reported that the average time for a crime like this was two to five years. But remember, Bill Cosby is 81 years old, so it could be a death sentence nonetheless. And I think we will see victim impact statements at this trial. I think we'll see Cosby state his piece at this trial as well. And I think that we'll see his attorneys try to keep him out of jail uh, during the trial. So who knows whether he, even if he is sentenced, whether he goes in or whether the judge permits him to stay out pending 
uh, a number of appealable issues which the defense has in this case. Interesting, Mary. Well, um, my opinion in this case, and I, I am, I am, um, it's not a popular opinion, but I do think that he did not force these, uh, this um, Andrea Constant to open her mouth and put a pill in her mouth and take this drug that would render her unconscious. I think that she agreed to take it. Maybe he embellished what it was going to do to her. But, you know, when it comes right down to these, uh, even these other women that have come in uh, were not, uh, you know, white lily type women. I mean, go to the Playboy Club and go in with this up-and-coming black actor to one of these rooms, and what do you think you're going to do, play canasta? Obviously, you know, they have to be aware of what situation they were going to get into, and I think that they are partly to blame for some of the stuff that happened to them on their own. Interesting opinion. I, I think he wishes that you were on the jury, but that ship has sailed. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Joey, is there any chance that he could get a house arrest uh, from this judge Is that I a possibility There's a chance I think it certainly could be I think his attorneys will You know really be pushing to keep him out Period I think what the judge is up against Though is we're not only You know this, this case represents So much more than just Bill Cosby it represents The Me Too movement it represents women Saying no means no it represents Us being in an era where women are saying we're, You're not going to take advantage of us and it represents him, you know, apparently having a reckoning with so many who accuse him. So I think if the judge did that, there would be heck to pay because I think it's a lightning rod for what we value and whether we do value women, women's rights, and the fact that we should not be abusing women. And so I think the judge has a lot to take into account, not only – Andrea Constan, but everything Andrea Constan stands for with the Me Too movement. But I'll be there on Monday. If it goes until Tuesday, I'll be in Pennsylvania on Tuesday. We're going to have wall-to-wall coverage starting at 7 a.m. Uh, you know, on HLN, and uh, we'll see what the judge does. I look forward to it. Oh, so you'll be in Pennsylvania at, uh, in the Monday morning on uh, covering Indeed. the HLN? Indeed. Absolutely. Okay. I'll be there. Good deal. Good deal, Joey. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, Joey. Anything else there today? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Should be interesting. What else is interesting? Colin Kaepernick uh, got a deal with Nike. Let me play you this, uh, some parts of this uh, from Fox Sports. I'll get your opinion on the other side. I want to start here, Marcellus. For me, this undermines Colin Kaepernick as an activist. Hmm. I think that if you're a true revolutionary, if you're a true activist, Jim Brown has been saying this about Kaepernick from the get-go, hey, either be a football player or be an activist. And this, to me, is a brand play. This is about business. And anytime I see business, and particularly major corporations like a Nike, stick their head into activism. It's really not about business. It's about marketing. It's about PR. And, and for me, for Kaepernick as an activist, I've never been that big on it, but this to me exposes 
what I think what it's always been about branding. Kaepernick is a brand. He's been trying to build a brand through this activism. When, when he couldn't build one as a great quarterback, he moved to this. Taking this Nike money and becoming the part of selling shoes as part of your activism doesn't play well for me. See, listening to you and that take, it's alarming the hypocrisy that comes out when you study what activism is, when you look at someone who's trying to be a revolutionary. Uh, this is old news. This is something that has happened before. If you want to go all the way back to Martin Luther King and his association with Coca-Cola after the Nobel Peace Prize winning and his dinner that was supported by Coca-Cola, the, the, the hypocrisy comes from that we're looking at messaging for profit as a negative instead of the positive that it is, because this all started off of activism, which was articulated, misconstrued, but needed to turn into action. Now you have major corporations like a Nike, Coca-Cola of the past, who are now in bed with activists, who can now push this to the two levels that we need for anything to change in our society, which is policy and profits. That's just the way the game has changed, and this is the way the game is going to change. This is the evolution of that revolution. I, I, I get the Martin Luther King deal. Soledad O'Brien hit me with it earlier in I the day. I just hit you with it, too. I know, you just <laughs> I mean, I mean, you ain't got to go all off set with it. I'm here, bro. You got to upstage me. Okay. I'm just saying, people have hit me with it. Yeah, okay. Again, the Martin Luther King dinner was about it was not going to be integrated. It was, they wanted a segregated dinner, and Coca-Cola stepped in and said, no. We won't sponsor it unless it is integrated, and they moved. This is completely different, particularly when you understand Nike's relationship with labor and basically slave labor in Asia. Nike is trying to market its way and promote its way out of they're the true hypocrites. If you want to talk about oppression, go look at the Asian slave way, uh, way, uh, laborers who make Nike shoes, and Nike's been criticized for this. Forever, if you go look at the discrimination lawsuits that Nike's dealing with, the, the executives they just fired over uh, discrimination against women and blacks, this is all a PR play, in my view, from Nike. Again, I, I don't blame Kaepernick. He needs some money. Uh, but I, I don't. Any time. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, everybody yeah. How different is this than America's relationship with labor and slave labor, using your words? I mean, look. All right, Jerry, uh, interesting debate there. Uh, where do you stand uh, in terms of the Nike and uh, Colin Kaepernick situation with Nike uh, using him as the poster boy? I think it's a stroke of brilliance. I think that Nike recognizes that there are a lot of people who gravitate towards the, the position that he's taken, taking. I think that Nike knows its target market. I think they know who... Uh, wears Nike, supports Nike, buys Nike. And I think that Colin Kaepernick has every right, uh, you know, to be the face uh, of this advertisement. It was a very risky proposition for Nike to engage in, but I think they did their research. And I think at the end of the day, I think, you know, <laughs> the stock's not hurting, let me just say that. And so, you know, look, he has a right. If he's not making his money on the football field because he's being blackballed for his position – then let him make his money in terms of being a pitch person for Nike. But I have to give him a lot of credit. And the credit I give him is he sacrificed his career to stand for something. And that's huge. Uh, and I think we should let people know, you know, why he did this. This was, he was doing this, uh, you know, to really fight against the police shootings and what he felt were major injustices. 
I think uh, there are major injustices that he stood up for, and it's cost him his career. And so I, I say God bless him, God bless Nike, and if you like Nike, you'll buy their product. If you hate him for doing it, then you'll stay home. They knew that, and that's what they're doing. So God bless America. And with the kneeling in terms of that, do you personally have an issue with that, or you understand what he's doing? I have no issue whatsoever. I think people fought and died for this country. I think I have tremendous respect for our veterans and our first responders and, you know, this country. I think we certainly, you know, want to pay homage and respect to the country. And, you know, I certainly have a tremendous amount of respect uh, for this country, no question. But I think that we have to remember that one of the whole reasons that, you know, the, the whole basis of the flag is that we have freedoms to do as we want, to do as we do. And I think that a basic proposition of the flag is that we have the freedom to act in accordance with what we believe, uh, you know, our individual principles are. And if our individual principles say to sit, then we sit. If they say to stand, then we stand. I don't see it as an issue regarding disrespecting a flag. I see it as an issue regarding exercising the freedoms that the flag represents. And so in that regard, I, you know, you want to sit, you sit. You want to kneel, you kneel. You want to take one foot, you take one foot. Um, you know, everyone's entitled to do what they do, uh, you know, but I just don't see it. I, I see the flag representing our freedom to make a choice. And he made a choice. He paid with, it for, with his career, and now he's getting paid through Nike. So as I say, God bless America. <laughs> Amen to that. Okay, let's go over to the Elizabeth Smart uh, story, the kidnapper. Let's listen to her in our own words. Elizabeth Smart says she has been riding a roller coaster of emotions since learning one of her kidnappers, Wanda Barzee, will go free tomorrow after Utah officials realized they'd miscalculated her sentence. Her husband, Brian Mitchell, is serving life. They held Smart for nine months in the early 2000s. In an exclusive interview, Smart, now 30 years old, talked to Gail King. You said she's, she has shown no remorse to you at all? Part of her plea deal back when her case came up. Um, it was required for her to write an apology to me, but it was just a very brief, I'm sorry for what I've done, the end kind of thing. And you felt nothing from that? No, I don't yeah. think you can just kidnap a 14-year-old girl and you know, not only sit by her while she's being raped, but encourage the rapist to continue and do that for nine months with other countless atrocities and then just at the end of it say I'm sorry and really mean it. And you know just hearing you say that you know as a woman as a mother you're a woman and a mother too to think that a woman and she's a mother of six can encourage a man her husband to rape you I, I can't even wrap my brain around what that was like or what that did to you. From everything that I learned through the trial and everything that I learned being around her I don't think she deserves that mark of respect to have the title of mother. So she may have birthed six children, mm -hmm. but she certainly was no mother. Get more of Gail King's interview with Elizabeth Smart. Barzi will be monitored following her release tomorrow. Okay, Joey, uh, do you have an issue with the uh, lady getting out who uh, told the husband, molester, molester, uh, from what you heard in other various sexual disgusting acts uh, well, on a then 14-year-old girl. 
let me say it this way. I do have an issue in as much as, look, you know, thank God that Miss Smart has been able to go on with her life. She's 30 years old. She has three children now. Uh, by all means, she's adjusted. She's articulate. She's wonderful. And she's been able to overcome this. And I think that's a tremendous testament to the human spirit and the power of the human mind. I think, though, at the end of the day, 15 years is 15 years. If that was her sentence and the time was calculated and the time was calculated accurately, then she had to be released. And so whether I don't like the fact that she's been out or, you know, half the country or all the country doesn't like the fact that she's been out, when people pay their debts to society, they're released. And we should understand and know that there are strict conditions regarding her release. Like what? Like a curfew that she has to be in at 9 o'clock. She can't leave until 6. Like there's housing that she's designated to, like the fact that she's uh, subject to counseling, that she's subject to supervision, that she has to live, you know, within a specific geographical area. There are numerous conditions that she registers as a, a, a sex offender. There are numerous conditions attached to her release. And if she doesn't abide by those conditions, she's subject to a jail sentence. So at the end of the day, what she did was horrible. She, the negotiated plea agreement, which her, had her testify against her husband, called for 15 years. 15 years has expired. She's out. And whether we like it or not, that's the reality of our time. I could only hope that she leaves Miss Smart alone, another condition that she not contact the Smart family. I would only hope that she abides by all conditions and that, you know, Miss Smart continues to live her life in peace, to live her life fully, and to overcome this horrific tragedy that she endured. Uh, as a young girl. Mary? Well, um, I know that she received leniency for testifying against Mitchell, her husband, and she received a reduced sentence of 15 years. She wasn't supposed to be released till the year 2024. I don't understand how come just out of the blue they could just cut six years out of her sentence and let her out early. Yeah, I think what happened was is that she did serve the 15 years, and she, she was accountable in federal court. She was accountable in state court. And what the right. state tried to do is not count the time she spent in a federal prison toward her state sentence, and that was declared to not be legal and proper. And so, I mean, I get married because I think we all have a very visceral reaction to the inhumanity of this woman. Uh, you know, but at the end of the day, uh, if, if you do the time and the state authorities say that, look, the law says you need to be released, then you have to be released. And you can only hope that she abides by the conditions. And if she doesn't, you know what? She goes back to jail. She's 72. And uh Obviously, what she did at any age is horrible. She wasn't 72 then. Obviously, this was many years ago. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, she's out, and we just hope for the best for Smart and her family and that this woman abide by all conditions of her release. Joey, do you remember the case of the lady that was uh, impregnated by her capture? Uh, by the guy that uh, captured her as, a, I think, a nine-year-old. And uh, it wasn't until she was, like, 21 and she had kids from uh, this uh, uh, guy. J.C. Dugard. J.C. Dugard. J.C. Dugard. That's it. Yes. Right? Yes. And, 
Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of similarities there. So true. Some some sick people in the universe. (laughs) Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think they're very very popular in the uh, prisons. Uh, I think that's safe to say. But uh, let's say hello to uh, Sarah. She's going to... Here with us via California. Hi, Sarah. You're on the phone with uh, Joey, me, and Mary. Good, e- good evening. What a fabulous trio. Hello, King. Hello, Joey. Hello, Mary. Great talking Hi, to you Sarah. guys. You know, um, listening to the show, um, you know, it's always very enlightening. I just have to say a couple of things. I think that sentencing guidelines really need to be reexamined. And I don't know exactly who does this, if it's state by state or, I guess, federal law and then state law and all that stuff. But I think they really, really need to be examined and done over. Um, I'll just come out and say it. I I think it's sickening that that woman um, got out. And I understand, Joey, the the expression, you know, do your time and and you're done and all that stuff. I, I really, really hope she screws up. I really do, and <laughs> I, I do hope too. that, yeah, and I just think that um, I'm very bothered by the fact that the state felt that they had to give her a deal because she was going to testify against her husband. Um, in a case like that, I I think women just get off too easily. That's all there is to it. Everybody's screaming about equality for women, but they stop screaming when it comes to crime. And, I agree. And it just it just bothers me. The um, Bill Cosby sentencing, yes, I will have my DVR set to see everything and hear everything that you have to say, Joey. Um, my take on it is that the judge um, is definitely going to want to make a point, and I think he's going to hammer Bill Cosby with the maximum, um, whether it's for shock value or whether he just is using his discretion I, I, de- I definitely think he's going to – and I'll be happily surprised and uh, send you a message on Facebook if I am wrong. But um, – and I, I do agree with you, Joey, about the fact that during this trial, the retrial actually, um, that so many women were able to testify. Their accusations were never proven, yet they were allowed to say their stories, which I think influenced the jury tremendously and um, I, I do believe that Mr. Cosby um, has has guilt, has done bad things, but I also believe in a fair trial. And I don't, I don't know. I'm really questioning the fact that was that truly a fair trial? Going on to Colin Kaepernick, you know, everyone has an agenda, and everyone's entitled to their agenda as long as you're not hurting someone or breaking the law. So I. I respect him for for his platform. I can't say that I would do it. I don't know if I would kneel for the flag, but I, I do respect his right to do that. I, I can't remember how old I was when Congress, um, or not Congress, when the Supreme Court said that it was okay to burn our flag. I, I think I was beside myself for a week. I, I, I could not believe it. And then, yeah. then I, I learned to understand it. And like you said, Joey, our flag represents our freedom. So 
of course, why wouldn't we be able to burn the flag in this country? Um, and it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful country that we could do all the things that we do and say all the things that we say. It, it makes me sad, though, that, that in this day and age, it, our country is so divided. I, I kind of worry more about civil war versus some enemy from another country causing a war here. I, I, I do kind of worry about that. Um, the only thing that I, I do have to say, though, regarding Colin Kaepernick, um, okay, kneel for the flag, but those socks that he wore just upset me. The pig socks, right. The pig socks. Your father was a police officer. Uh, I don't think you'd consider him a right. pig. Um, right. But anyway, I wish him well. I wish Nike well. Like I said, I think they both had agendas. And, um, hey, if people want to buy Nike, I don't have a problem with Nike. I don't have a problem with him as far as um, his rights in this country. Going on to Chris Watts. Okay, he has got to be, and I, I, I know I'm going to sound facetious, but he's got to be the stupidest murderer ever. I cannot believe the lies that he would tell being interviewed constantly. I, it almost seems like he watched old videos of Scott Peterson. He almost had Scott Peterson's um, inflection, voice inflection or the way he would stare into the camera. Um, it, it just cracked me up. I thought, okay, this guy's been practicing for a long time. Um, and, and some people have uh, – Compared him to John List, the most famous, notorious family annihilator. Yeah. And, but the only thing, the only difference between John List and this guy was John List planned it out so well and disappeared. This guy just decided the the hubris of him to make up this story is just is just amazingly appalling. And I hope that um, he gets a fair trial. But then again, look at Casey Anthony. She got a fair trial, right? Um, I, I just think that anyone that does this kind of crime, commits these murders, um, deserves a death penalty. That's all there is to it. Um, and I know, Joey, that you're a defense attorney, and I don't know. I don't think you're rooting for the death penalty. But um, anyway, that's basically what I have to say. I don't really have any questions other than the fact that um, – the appeal issues for Bill Cosby, um, I, I, do you think they have a chance at all, uh, Joey? I do. I mean, first of all, I loved your comments. Thank you. Very thorough. Well, thank um, you. Yeah, very, very focused and very heartfelt, the things you're saying. Uh, yeah, as to Cosby, I think he does have legit appealable issues. And the issue for me is whether he's able to remain out on jail until those issues are resolved on the merits or whether or not he goes in and has to wait in jail while they are resolved. But I do believe uh, that there are significant appealable issues, not the least of which is the judge allowing all these uh, other women uh, to testify. So mm -hmm. we'll see what happens Monday, but I'll, you know, I'll be there. I look forward to being there with, with the team. And, uh, you know, I'm bringing full coverage to see what, what the judge does. So, these are significant times. Well, very good. I enjoy talking to all of you, and um, I will let you all go so someone else can call in. How's that? Wow, it's all good. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much. 
Thank you, Thanks so Thanks, much. Sarah. Okay, bye bye. Absolutely. All right, Joey. Uh, before I let you go, I want to wish you a belated happy birthday, and I want to also you. congratulate you yeah. on your opening up your uh, your uh, new uh, defense attorney. Uh, uh, I don't know how to new put office. it. What is it? Yeah, your new law office. <laughs> that Thank looks you. great. Appreciate I hope it. you do. I hope much success. And he got kidnapped. You. He got kidnapped for his birthday by Katya. <laughs> but I'm alive. It was all good. I'm alive. I'm here. Yeah, Everything I was. worked out. But it was a nice time. But I appreciate and, that. Uh, I really do. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in this uh, seventh season here. And uh, yes, yeah, you've been here since the uh, first season. And now here we are seven years later. And uh, you're still on it, so that's so awesome. Well, so, uh, I'm delighted. And on, and I want to say, um, I want you to say a warm hello to Katya and your whole family. They're wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm grateful and appreciative, and you bet I will do exactly that. <laughs> so it's an honor to be on with both of you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for allowing me to be part of such a great program. And I look forward to many more ahead. And, uh, King, keep doing what you do. And I think it was a stroke of genius to invite Mary to co-host with you. And uh, let's do it again sometime soon. Okay? Okay. Thanks so much, Joey. Have a good one. God bless. God bless. Thanks so much. Bye. Okay. That was the incredible, talented Joey Jackson. And, uh, Mary, uh, uh, thank you so much for uh, co-hosting. You heard what Joey said. Stroker genius. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. Thank you for having me on, King Jordan. Absolutely. It is my pleasure. Uh, have a good night, Mary. Speak okay, soon. you too, Jordan. Take care. Okay. All right, folks. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, give some shout outs to uh, Sarah Page. Let's see, uh, we got Madeline, uh, Hager, Vicky, um, let's see who else I can find here. There's, uh, there's, uh, Lisa here. There's, uh, so many, I guess, so. There's, uh, um, uh, Thomas. There's, uh, so many. But in any event, uh, Let's play a throwback song, um, one that you probably like. You're just too good to be true. Uh, read version done by Lauren Hill. And uh, uh, stay in touch with me on Instagram at King Jordan Radio, or on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash King Jordan Radio, and on Twitter at King Jordan Red. For the next show, um, we'll plan something soon, and that should be coming up real soon. Take a listen to this song, and uh, we'll bid you good night. Okay, everybody. Just a good to be sure. 
You're just too good to be true. 